Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry feathered or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome. This is episode 193 of the Two Vets Talk podcast. But podcast with too much talking and pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Ann and I'm joined this week by a man who recent events have shown that he's sort of managed to usurp himself and get into you know, all kinds of different parts of the podcast. It turns out that he's been uh, shadowing the intro, he's been shadowing the news, he's been shadowing everything, all without the knowing of the other parts of the host. But that's fine because it was only doing it just because it was a pandemic and because it was you know, an emergency situation. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? Good, Robbie. That's a, that's quite an interesting intro. I actually thought you were going to say Chris Brown's been shadowing us. The, uh, Chris the Bondi Brown. vet, the, the, the man of the moment, the... Uh, the um the, the man is lost in the jungle. The man is on the living room. The man is everywhere. But no, oh, the, the everywhere man. No, no, he's the new Eddie McGuire is Chris Brown. He's uh he's literally got. I mean, no wonder he gets the gold logies, Lewis. He's done very well. He's he has done very well. And it, look, it's it shows us the pathway, mate. The the, the <laughs> way we the way you know he's he's worn the path for us. I think, and uh, we can certainly follow in his direction. I, you know, I think you should take up. Well, you're supping today, so just uh, you can take up surfing and uh, and uh, and then you know I'll, I can surf and, uh, and then we're all good, mate. I think. Pretty sure bleach your hair. My, yeah, well, what's left? Yes, singular hair for me. Singular hair, yeah, yeah and your hairs. It won't take much for you then to do it. I think what you I think what you're looking for there, Lewis, is aspirational. You know, it's good. It's good to have something to aspire to. Yes. Now, I mean, the podcast was only ever going to be entry level for us, Lewis. This was the this was just the starting pathway for us, oh, and then it was it? just on onwards and upwards from there. Absolutely, that, that was our end game, definitely, mate. It was, yeah, it was onwards and upwards. Oh yeah. Hey, now, um, you know, and part of part of this onwards and upwards and also sort of looking outside of the square, Lewis, I wanted to talk to you about some of the more interesting ways that I've had to obtain samples from dogs in order to have a look at things and dogs and cats. Um, so, you know, have you ever had the time Lewis where you've had a cat in to try and get a urine sample? You've been really trying, working hard, trying to get a urine sample from a cat. You take it out the back, you try to get that sample. And just as you're trying to do it, you realize that the cat has, Weed on the towel, you know, countless, countless times, mate. Yeah, countless. Weed on the towel, and yep. and you know, and it happened to me during the week where it was the third time we've tried getting this cat in oh. because we just want to see what his urine concentration is looking like. It's what we've been aiming to try and get. Um, and I said, right, that's it, owner. You have the cat. Give me the towel. Grab the towel over the kidney dish. Squeeze the towel into the kidney dish. So obtained a urine sample. What what can only be described as a as a towel diff- infused wow. urine sample. So that's all right. You know, it, I, I wasn't going to be sending it off for culture and sensitivity or anything. I thought, you know what, if I can try and get just the the concentration of this, hopefully that won't change much in the towel. Yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, the salt um, the salt encrusted towel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that's uh, they've, they've used it at the beach for a while, yeah. and so they just haven't washed it. So, yeah, no, so that'll be fine. Solute levels are very high. That'll in be fine, mate. Don't worry. That'll be um, no worries at all. And so, well, I thought that might have been the the highlight of my sample obtaining week, Lewis. 
I managed to one up myself again because I'm aspirational. Yeah, I'm, I'm never content just for aiming at one thing. I'm always looking for that next step, that next step on the ladder up. So um, I had a dog come in and the owner had found the lump on its back. So look, there's a bit of a weird lump on the back. I was like, All right, let, let me have a look. Um, what do we, we vets like to do whenever we see a lump on the back? You know, you give it a little squeeze and see whether or not anything comes out. And bugger me dead, thank goodness for COVID because gave this thing a squirt on the back and it's just exploded all over my mask. Now, the good thing is, Lewis, I've got the mask on there. So A, didn't go in the mouth. B, took the mask off, got the sample off the mask, onto the slide, out to the microscope. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Thank you very much, you beauty. Well done, mate. That's a great catch. And came back COVID positive or where are we? (laughs) <laughs> off your mask <laughs> oh, no, no, luckily it was an n95 mask mate so if there was any covid in the dog's lesion on the back don't think it was monkey pox either that came out from there so um so so we should be all okay from that no. we might have a little article on that in a minute oh, Actually, interesting you say that, that with the uh, covid stuff and how attuned we are all to the the antigen test and the and the the faint positive the, oh, the yes. very light line that everyone's saying you know i've got a faint positive on the rat test and we had one during the week a cat that uh was suspicious uh a little bit anemic uh some low red cells so we ran a feline aids test and a feline leukemia virus test and yep uh run, runs at 10 minutes and uh, the nurse sort of said oh yeah, it's looking, looking, looking negative. No worries. Yep, yep, Carl, it's looking negative, mate. And then I've just happened to glance with it at the ten minute mark, and I've just gone, oh. And there's that faintest little positive Faint line, line, faintest little line on the FLV, and I was like, probably pre-COVID, we've gone, ah, oh, don't, ah, nah, that's it, that, nah, don't yeah. worry about that, nah. But now I'm like, oh, I think that could be a positive there. We need to do a few little extra tests, so. Yeah. But also with that, also they've done a few, uh, like they've had a few cats that have been doing the PCR swab on them. Where you, oh, yes. Yep. For the cat flu type viruses and yep. uh, and bacteria. And uh, they two come back positive. I haven't had that. Oh, for a while. there one you came, go. One came back as herpes and the other one had all three. All oh, three really? Khaleesi. It was a cat that had uh, really bad uh teeth and stomatitis so really inflamed right. gums around the back teeth and had already had um some surgery at the eye clinic for entropion yeah, um, right. and then i said oh i think maybe we might just do a little swab just to check for khaleesi virus or something like that and came back as herpes khaleesi and chlamydia the triple threat wowzers so, gee whiz. there's not many yeah. other things that uh that you get up around the uh respiratory system of a cat that's not going to show up uh with those three so <laughs> yeah i know exactly yeah. so i'm like oh that's a good fun treatment trial there we've got going on so yeah <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, hey, no. um now hey lewis um yeah pa- of uh, what we, you know, one of the things we do with vets, it's a, you know, we, we have to send out reminders, don't we? You know, like, so we, yep. we send out letters and emails and SMSs to our clients to let them know that their dog or cat or guinea pig or whatever is due for their checkup or maybe vaccinations and things like that. Um, I, I'd like to share with you, I'm not going to disclose the name of the, um, the name guinea, of the clinic. Guinea, guinea pig. Oh, you maybe. send out reminders sure, to guinea pigs, right? Okay, well, we don't, we don't, but I don't want to, I don't want to cast dispersions on anyone that may receive reminders for their guinea pigs. Yeah. So, well, do um, we need to it, list it, all that? Uh, rats, snakes, anyone? No, just we'll just leave it at cats anything and we missed. Dogs. Dogs. Just like cat, yeah. cats, dogs, yeah, cats, cats, dogs, dogs predominantly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe a rabbit. Um, so, uh, 
So I just wanted to share with you a, um, a reminder notice that was sent to uh, a, a sibling of one of our staff members from a different vet clinic. And I'm not yes. going to name the name yes. of the um, of the clinic. Um, yes. So uh, interesting Let's call here. Dr. Albert. Uh, sure, Albert. why not? Yeah, why yeah, not? Yeah. Um, Do- Dr. Albert's vet clinic. Yes. Um, so a reminder, we've checked our records and it's time for hasn't got one's vaccination and health check. <laughs> hasn't got one. <laughs> hasn't got so one. I believe what, so I believe what's happened is when uh, this dog was first presented to the uh, said, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Albert's clinic, um, they said, what's his name? Oh, he hasn't got one. So they've just entered it as hasn't got one. So we go on. Dear owner, yes, hasn't got one is due for their twice for life <laughs> health exam and is also due for vaccination. Vaccinations are a vital part of hasn't got one's wellness health plan, keeping them protected by boosting their immunity and to important and potentially life-threatening diseases. We customize our vaccination schedules, selecting those which are best suited to hasn't got one to ensure that we are providing adequate protection whilst avoiding over-vaccination. Whilst the vaccination will be an important part of hasn't got one's visit, a thorough health examination will ensure that all the puzzle pieces pictured are properly oh assessed. Wow. Yes, every piece of the puzzle makes a difference to hasn't got one's health, but hasn't got one, hasn't got health. It's turned you know, according to the, um, lifespan and quality of life. And our trained eye will often pick up things that you may be unaware of. Checking hasn't got one twice for life with six monthly health exams will allow for better prevention, earlier diagnosis, and allow interventions which can make an important influence upon hasn't got one's health outcomes. Um, so there we go. You know, um, so someone's uh, gone and printed off all the reminders and hasn't necessarily read through you know, gone exactly through what's there. No, well, no. well, so, eh? <laughs> so there you go. Hasn't got one. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure whether or not they found it, uh, anything wrong with hasn't got one. Um, it would have been interesting to have uh, seen whether or not they sent out a desexing reminder to hasn't got one. You yes. know, we need to. We, we, we found out that hasn't got one is due to come in and be desexed. Well, that's fine. He hasn't got one. So what do we have to take out? <laughs> very nice, mate. That's very, very good. I like that a lot. Oh, well, now, big thank you to uh, Zilkeen, our sponsor of, of the podcast. Actually, of uh, the good people at Zilkeen, the, mm. the strong folks. Yes. Yeah. Had a, a yeah, client to, to, yeah, taking two cats uh, overseas. I'm not sure where they're going. I can't think. Um, beautiful cats, absolutely gorgeous cats. And um, and they said, oh, is there anything we can do to keep them calm? And I've gone, well, your cats are pretty chilled anyway, but have I got something on the shelf for you? Reached up, grabbed a bit of Zilkeen. Cats are a little bit larger than your average cat, so we doubled the dose. Perfect. And I said, look, start this about three days before uh, the trip. But actually, I've since learnt... I did. I've got a little bit of uh, pet travel stuff we might talk about later in the show that I did a little webinar, perhaps to start it maybe a week before the right. uh, departure and continue it a week after arrival. So it's a mild anxiety lowering medication. Um, you know, it doesn't cause any sedation, um, limited side effects or no side effects. Um, so certainly something that if you're thinking of traveling with your pet, certainly something to get started at least a week before you're going to leave. Hey, and uh, and Lewis, is there any word on with the country that they're going to? Is Zilkeen available there? Or are these cats going to be, you know, uh, under the, you know, because I mean, we're very lucky to have Zilkeen here in Australia, you know, and, and, and in other places around the world, you know, are these cats still going to get to be able to enjoy getting Zilkeen at their destination country? Well, what I did, Robbie, is I said, 
when are you going? And I counted 10 days before when they're going and how long is the flight going to be? And then I counted a, a week after they arrived and then I gave them enough medication to last, mate. Oh, well, it's, well, well, it's, it's difficult maths, but I worked it out. And I thought, oh. well, we don't need to worry that Mozambique has Zilkin <laughs> or not. We can give you enough to land you there, okay? Oh, more just because when these chilled cats then get even better and the owners go, oh, my goodness, I want them on Zilkeen all the time. You know, it's just to be ashamed that then if they can't, mm. maybe, maybe you could send it to them in the mail, Lewis. So you'd send some nice uh, white powder in some capsules, you know, through the mail maybe. Yeah, that'd go really well. You'd probably just open the capsules. It's a bit cheaper. Just put the powder straight into the envelope. You know, there you return go. Return address. Uh, Waverley Animal Hospital. Um, yeah, Perfect. Regen- yep. Yep. Doctor, From there. Yeah. Dr. Um, Dr. Robert Anderson. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not me, sir. It wasn't me. But maybe you, could, officer. maybe you could roll up a yeah, $100 note and sort of just put the powder inside of the $100 note, just a little bit of blue tack on each end and then just send it to them that way. That, that might be idea. another way of trying to send it there. Ready to go, you reckon? Ready, to, ready to roll. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much, Zilkin. And also big thank you to Delicate Care. Australian-made, Australian-owned food. Uh, they've got some great products. That um, They've got the skin and stomach uh, for the dogs um, and the cats as well. Yes. Um, and then they've also, they're also running a bit of an arthritis month. So um, they've got the mobility support uh, for, for the dogs there. Um, and uh, it's got some great things like the chondroitin, the, the glucosamine, those things that keep uh, helping joint health as well, assisting with some, some uh, gentle weight loss so they can get around a bit better, those dogs with arthritis. So and, and the behind den- it. Also the dental diet for the cats too. We've got our cats on the dental diet from um, Delicate Care at the moment and uh, they are enjoying it, which is great. So they are they're eating that up. Um, and uh, also thank you very much to Delicate Care. Also, thank you very much to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, you, know, thank, you, know, you can go to patreon.com, search for Two Vets Talk Pets, have a look there. And if you'd like to uh, join the party with uh, with sending us some um, some uh, you know cash to help to you know keep paying for things like you know our uh, Lewis's um, bleaching of his hair and things like that while we try and uh, burst our way into the uh, in, into the television scene, we'd really appreciate it. Patreon.com, search for Two Vets Talk Pets, get yourself a sticker to it. Yeah, surfing lessons for Robbie, all those sorts of things, all that yes. sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah get, very get important. Ready. Get his ready for the transition. All right, for mate, the summertime. Now. All right, mate. Now you've uh, you've got the you've got the paper there spread apart. I've got, I've got a newspaper got, article, you, mate. You've got obviously you've got the old-fashioned actual paper in your hand. What have you found in the paper this week, mate? While you try and wrestle with it right. to get to the page. Yeah, it's lucky. So it is from the age. So I'm glad that they've just gone down to the uh, to the to the to the small yeah, newspaper yeah, right yeah, there, yeah, for listeners. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, this was from the uh, the age on the 14th of August, rise in dog attacks after pandemic puppy wave. So yeah, this is uh, an article by Rachel Dexter. Um, dog attacks have increased in two thirds of Melbourne's council areas since 2018, with dog trainers attributing much of the problem to pandemic puppies growing up post lockdown into poorly adjusted dogs lacking in training. Dog attacks have increased on average 14% across all council areas from 2018 to 2021. Data obtained from every Melbourne council by the Sunday age reveals. While attacks increased by around 110% in the city of Melbourne and Whitehawks. In Wyndham, the volume jumped more than 285%. 
Last year, last calendar year, Mornington Peninsula saw the highest number of recorded dogs attacks uh, with 223 reports, while the growth area of Casey has seen 261 attacks recorded for the 2021-2022 financial year. In May, four-year-old toy Cavoodle Charlie was mauled by an American staffie at Jim Duggan Reserve in St Kilda. Charlie suffered internal injuries and had muscle torn from his ribcage when the attacking dog broke free of its lead, surged at Charlie and picked him up in its jaw, leaving him with four serious bite marks on his body. Charlie's owner, Elise Hendrickson, said both she and her dog have been traumatized by the incident and she has bought him an expensive dog armor jacket uh, with large metal spikes for walks. Ah. Now, there's a picture here of little Charlie. I'll let me see if I can get that. Yes, yes. It's so he's got a lovely that- coat on. It's got the it's got the old punk sort of look to the coat, hasn't he? Where he's got the the middle spikes coming out of the 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 belt and along his back and his his collar. The, it's very punk like, I would I would call it. Very very punk rock. Mm. You're absolutely right. Is is that a coyote coat? Because I think you can buy a coyote coat over in America. Oh where really? You walk your dog and you can walk your dog and if it you know he gets attacked by coyotes, hopefully it will repel them. Maybe right. it's a coyote coat. Anyway, they don't they don't use like a coyote spray or anything like that, like Batman's shark repellent. Ooh, I don't know about that. Not not a sure. pop culture reference there. <laughs> there you go. Um, reading on. Um, Hendrickson called for more small reading dog on. only spaces and more ranger patrols in a council area of Port Phillip. I'm not sure how oh. we will. Yes, I know. This is close to your home, mate. Yeah. I'm not sure how we will ever face a park again. I'm still seeing dogs off lead every day in on lead dog parks. Always a tough one where you've got people that decide that they're uh, you know, going to uh, bend the rules because their dog will be fine. Yes. Um, the owners of the staffy paid for Charlie's vet bills and told Hendrickson they would use a muzzle in public from now on. The attack was reported to authorities and the council will eventually be heard and the at the council and will eventually be heard in a magistrate's court. Port Phillip has already recorded 94 attack reports this year, higher than the entire year counts for 2021, 2020 and 2018. Port Phillip Mayor Marcus Pearl said council office patrolled the reserve daily for a fortnight after the attack on Charlie at different times of the day and will be undertaking a review of dog restrictions in open spaces across the entire council area with community input. Council areas with a percentage of increase over the four years was above that of the citywide trend. Manningham, lots and lots and lots of places. Um, There is no centralised uniform data collection for dog attacks in Victoria, with each council area across the state responsible for handling its own figures. Data obtained by the Sunday Age comes with the caveat that some councils count using financial years and some calendar years. Uh, It's still all boring stuff. Brad Giggs, a 20-year-old training veteran, says his industry has seen a big uptick on the back of the pandemic in dogs presenting with anxious and insecure tendencies that he said were frequent red flags for regressive incidents with dogs or other people. We've had a greater number of dogs presenting post-lockdown that were chronically underprepared for changes in their lives, said Griggs, who specialises in training high-performance working dogs and aggressive dogs. He's recommended professional training for dogs that struggle in new environments, have problems with being left alone at easily scared or worried or have high energy levels adding the earlier the better an ounce of prevention is worth 10 pounds in cure have you seen any any scientific studies mate in terms of the number an ounce of prevention is worth 10 ounces in uh, of cure 
That'd be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Especially when we're at metric now. How do they convert Correct. that? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, so I think that's, um, you know, uh, I mean, we've been talking on the podcast a little bit about the the trials and tribulations of the post-pandemic puppies, you know, and, uh, you know, the, particularly, I think as well, the number of oodles that, that came from the pandemic and the number of those dogs that are really pretty anxious and probably not necessarily as well socialized as what you would like. Um, you know, have you seen a, a more dog attacks, do you reckon in your, uh, you know, in your clinic? I mean, for us, we, we've seen a couple, but I wouldn't say it's been a huge uptick for no. me. I think it's more the, it's more just the general anxieties that we're, that we're seeing more of. Yeah. Look, I, I don't know. We saw, saw one last week, I think or the week before, we might see one one a month that comes to us. Oh, maybe maybe a little bit more. One a month that's memorable, I suppose, in that it's quite severe, um, yeah. which is quite a few. But um, but I I don't I don't feel it's more. You know, it's all anecdotal, but I don't feel yeah. it's more at the moment than than it was previously necessarily. Um, and it certainly might just be a case there are more dogs around that there are more attacks. Was, you know, like yeah, was you know, just what I was going to say too. You know, yeah. we. You know, it's a, it'd be an interesting thing to look and see, right? So um, dog attacks per capita of dogs, has that gone up? You know, yeah. like, so if, so if we're seeing more more dog attacks, whether or not that's a product of the fact that you've got more dogs still in the in the, in the same number of areas. So therefore your, your dog-to-dog interactions are much higher. You know, you go to the off-lead, we know at our off-lead dog park back when Rosie was a puppy, You'd go there, there might be, you know, three or four dogs running around. Now you'll go down there and there's 30 dogs running around. Yeah, so yeah. um, so more dogs, there's more chance of those interactions. So it's probably as much as anything of, you know, while it's certainly not, you know, you, you, it's not the victim's fault for being attacked, but sometimes you need to use your your instinct a little bit and go there. And if there's 30 other dogs running around the off-lead dog park, well then maybe you go, well, maybe we'll just keep walking today and maybe not have any off-lead time. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a necessarily a huge fan of the off-lead dog park, just the stuff I see. But also, I mean, the hard thing about the, how many dogs are in the communities, it's very hard to get those numbers. You know, if you're looking at council registrations is really the only way, I guess, unless you, look at the census or something like that but uh that's the main way it's looked at registration of dogs in the in the neighborhood and certainly perhaps as you move out further out in the suburbs possibly then there might be less registration of dogs um but but more attacks so it's really really difficult thing to to quantify and certainly as far as anxious dogs coming into the clinic i'm I'm not convinced that there's more i just yeah okay i I don't i don't know like I, i i certainly People say it to me, oh, I've got the dog that's the classic, you know, bought in the pandemic, didn't get to socialise. And I think, yeah, well, that could be a contributing factor for your dog having some issues that it's got at the moment. But it also could have just been an anxious dog that that's just, uh, you know, that just hasn't just hasn't adapted well to life and wasn't going mm. to be one of those dogs that was out and about with everyone as well. So I, I just, I don't feel like it's been a rush. I, but then saying that, I probably have more dogs on medication perhaps at the moment, but yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to know. I, I certainly don't think I'm inundated with dogs with anxiety. I think, I think it's perhaps uh, helped in society's more aware of dogs with anxiety now because of the thought of, Oh, it could be a you know, pandemic puppy anxiety, going back to work, all that sort of stuff. So they are coming to us for assistance. Yes. But, but I don't know if it's any more than normal. I really don't know. It's hard to yeah. tell. But I, interesting. I think, 
I think it's a it's a good point you make too because you know like we, we've always we've spoken in the past about how at um at uni the amount of behaviour stuff that we actually covered at university was really pretty minimal you know so you know if you're not taught anything if you're not taught about something then you don't go looking for it whereas now you know we're we're a lot more woke I guess you'd say of thinking about uh you know, the the mental health of, of our pets and so we're more likely to to more likely to pick it up and then also more likely to have receptive owners that actually want to try and do something about it exactly mate yeah definitely yeah. no it's, it's raising awareness is it's, it's been really good so um similar to you mate I uh, I uh saw an article this week uh, in the Guardian um, right First human to dog monkey pox, case, monkey pox case prompts who advice to pet owners. So who being yeah, the right. World Health Organization. People with yes, monkey yeah, pox not, not, the, not the seventies, not the seventies rock band. Very good. People with monkey yeah. pox told to isolate from animals after infection transmitted to an Italian greyhound in Paris. The World Health Organization has called for people infected with monkeypox to avoid exposing animals to the virus after the first reported case of human-to-dog transmission. The case involving two men and their Italian greyhound living together in Paris was reported last week in the medical journal The Lancet. This is the first reported case of human-to-animal transmission and believe it's the first instance of of a canine being infected. Rosamond Lewis, the WHO's technical lead for monkeypox, told reporters experts have been aware of the theoretical risk that such a jump could happen she said adding the public health agencies have already been advising those who caught disease to isolate from their pets she also said waste management is critical to lowering the risk of contaminating rodents and other animals outside the household when viruses jump the species barrier it is often causes it often causes concern that they could mutate dangerously lewis emphasized that's not me no, that's, that's not you. Me. That's not me. That is, that is uh, Rosamond Lewis. Right, right. Yes. Emphasised that so far there were no reports this was happening with monkeypox, but she acknowledged that as soon as the virus moves into a different setting in a different population, there is obviously a possibility that it will develop differently and mutate differently. The main concern resolves around animals outside the household. The more dangerous situation is where a virus can move into a small mammal population with high density of animals. It is through the process of one animal infecting the next and the next and the next, and you see rapid evolution of the virus. He says there was little concern about household pets. So that's important. There's little yep. concern. No need to go and get rid of your pet if, you, if, you are, if you're one of the unlucky few, certainly in Australia, who um, has caught monkey pox. I don't expect the virus to evolve any more quickly in one single dog than one single human, he said, adding that while people need to remain vigilant, pets are not a risk. And that's important too. Pets are not a carrier. You can pat the pet in the off-lead park. You can pat any any of those 30 dogs that you like and, uh, and you're not going to get monkey pox. Monkey pox was originally identified in monkeys kept for research in Denmark in 1958, though it is found most frequently in rodents. Oh, so it's oh. actually rat, rat pox. Rat pox, not rat monkey pox. pox. Yeah, Because right. it was found in a monkey first, I guess. Yeah. The disease was first that discovered. That poor monkey. That poor monkey, you know, got, catches it off a rat and then it's just been branded with it since. Yeah, I know. You never, you, yeah. The disease was first discovered in humans in 1970. The spread since then mainly limited certain Western Central African countries. But in May, cases of the disease, which causes fever, muscular aches and large boil-like skin lesions, began spreading rapidly around the world, mainly among gay men. 
More than 35,000 cases have been confirmed since the start of the year in 92 countries and 12 people have died, according to WHO, World Health Organization, which has designated the outbreak a global health emergency. With global case numbers jumping by 20% in the past week alone, the UN Health Agency is urging all countries to do more to rein in the spread, including ensuring at-risk populations have access to services and information about the dangers and how to protect themselves. Um, and then it's a bit more about... Um, about human stuff, which we won't go into because our podcast is Two Vets Talk Pets. So Correct. if you have monkeypox, if you have caught monkeypox, it's probably a good idea to try and uh, keep your distance from your pets if possible. Mm. But one case out of however there many are, are worldwide in a dog that I'm not sure if actually shows symptoms at all. It would have been good for me to research that, but I did not. Well, uh, certainly I, I hadn't seen anything of, of what the clinical signs were in that no. in that in that Iggy, um, the thing that I find interesting with that is that if it's, um, uh, I believe it's it's mainly um, skin to skin contact for the monkeypox, isn't it? I think, um, I think if that, yeah, that's I think what, so, yes, yeah. yeah, well, sexual or skin to skin, yes, yes, yeah. yes, and and so for an Italian greyhound, they have incredibly thin skin and incredibly ah. um, you know, a, a thin coat. So I wonder whether or not that's part Good of the point. reason why you know, that particular um, breed has been, um, you know, m- might be more yeah. likely to actually contract Brush of the leg, brush of the yeah. leg while we're, you know, or jump, jumping, yeah, jumping in a cuddle or something like that. Yeah, yeah right. Compared, compared to a, you know, a golden retriever that has uh, you know, lovely a, flowing a, manes of hair. A marema or, or a Hungarian pulley. Yes, that, yeah, yeah, that you or cannot a, find its its skin, or a quichon, you know, yes. or maybe maybe a sheep inu that has an incredibly thick, dense coat yes. that, that exactly. is just you know, so thick. Yeah, so yeah. so that when I or when a sharpay that you don't want to cuddle because it's sort of spiky and it's sort spiky. Of, oh, yes, oh, 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 got spiky first. Or that dog wearing the spiky coat. There's no wearing way the spiky that's coat. Get, it's not going to get monkeypox wearing the no. Cody coat. That's no. guaranteed. Maybe that's one of the ways that we can um, help to protect other Italian greyhounds is actually have them in the spiky coats to try and help to keep uh, avoid that skin to skin contact between wow. their between their owners. Yeah, we got salts. Call, call, call up Dr. Lewis from the from the Who, and yeah. uh, and and we'll uh, and we'll let them know our two vets talk pets theory. Do you think there's a market for the two vets talk pets monkey pox coat? The the monkey pox protection coat that's covered <laughs> in spikes. <laughs> yes. So Why you not? cannot cuddle your dog. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can, but just at a distance. Yes. Yes. A distance. good dog and pat and in, in a virtual pat. A virtual pat. A virtual yeah. Pat. I, th- I think that'll work well. Excellent. Well, good. That, yeah. All right. Time for the disclaimer. All advice and and monkeypox um, advice mm, is general yes. in nature and and carries very little actual weight with it. So please consult your veterinarian or the World Health Organization or before your following any advice. Your, your, or your doctor, your GP, not us. GP, we are not, not medical at no, all. No, 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 no. No. For, talk to other people before following our advice, please. Um, we do our best to provide the the most up to date information. And entertainment. Uh, but as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing, please let us know if you missed anything or if you need any clarification. Lewis, hit us with the with the safe pet travel topic. Is it is it up to date entertainment if we're using old dad jokes? <laughs> Just no, really. Oh mate, dad jokes don't go out of fashion. They do not go out of fashion, you know. Very good. Well, you try and keep up to date with the pop culture, so certainly good there. There you go. And then so safe pet travel. I had a, a webinar during the week, a fantastic webinar by a the name escapes him by a lady who 
has done a memberships in behavior similar to myself. He's doing a residency in uh, to become a specialist in behavior. Um, and she's lived in Dubai. I believe she's German. So must have worked in Germany and now living in the UK. Amazing, fantastic talk we gave, um, but means nothing to the listener out there because it's behind a paywall. Anyway. <laughs> So she did a great talk about safe pet travel and about um, exporting you know, pets overseas and, and traveling with your pet and um, had some really good points. And I thought I'd just bring up a few things today that, that I really learned from, from it. Um, and I, I guess the big thing I, I learned from her was that when a pet you, you're potentially traveling with your pet is you need to look at the whole journey, but also either side of the journey. And I'd sort of never thought about that much because a lot of the export stuff I do, I, I get them ready to go. I get them on the plane. And I think my job's done. Yeah. I've got, I've got the pet on the plane. That's, you know, as an export vet, I've got the paperwork done. We've done the rabies vaccination. We've done the required blood tests, whatever is needed to get that pet safely to that country. And she was particularly important about talking about flying, um, you know, international travel, I suppose. So the important thing is, is to look at, um, you know, preparing the pet, before they're getting on the plane. So obviously you are talking to your vet about what's needed. You, you contact an export vet to get, get the information you need. But it is about uh, the, the main stuff is actually about the crate. There's a lot to do with the crate, trying right. to get that crate as early as, as you can before departure. So that you're getting the pet use to the crate. And importantly with the crate, don't just go to the pet shop and buy what's you know, stamped on the side saying airline approved crate, you do need to contact the airline that you're flying with and actually make sure you get yeah. the right crate that, that, the, that the airline will accept. And then as far as a dog goes, it's about training <clears throat> them to accept going in that crate. Now you might have the crate where the top comes off and that's the sort of crate I would recommend getting. And basically you take the top off and you've just got the bottom half of the crate, the nice scooped out bit. And you teach the dog to go in there and get a reward in there to, to have a reward, yeah. come in there, sit in the crate, have something yummy to eat, maybe have your food in there, no lid on it, nothing at all on it. So really, really easy to do that. And then after a while, they're comfortable with that. You might put the lid on the crate and you put the lid on the crate, no door on it, you know, dogs in and out and out enjoying getting them used to going in there, comfortable resting in there. And then eventually, yeah, you do put the door on. And then you do the training and then eventually might shut the door for a few seconds, reward the dog, let them out. Just, just a really gradual sort of thing. And her comment was, because I think she does this, uh, I wish I could remember her name. That's really poor of me. Um, she does this um, actual service to people where she says she has taught a dog within 24 hours to become accepting of a crate. Um, which is right. fantastic to be able to train that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's incredible. And she shows some vision of that, which is amazing. Um, but certainly if you've got more time, uh, yeah, know, that, that's a, that's a better option. And certainly with cats, same sort and, of thing and, with, with and you cat. don't want to pay a, you don't want to pay a vet for you know, 24 hours to sit there and spend, you don't, you know, maybe planning it a little bit, a little bit earlier, you know? Yeah. If you can certainly, certainly a great idea. So cats, the same sort of thing, taking the top off the carrier, um, because often cats only see the carrier as oh, oh, I'm going to the vet or I'm going to the yeah, the cattery or something like that. It's not always a good experience going in there. So, and using pheromones uh, as well in, in the carrier. So the, the uh, adaptal pheromone for the dogs or the felly way for the cats and spraying that in the carrier to make a, a communal scent. And also um, using, um, uh, you know, putting something, a t-shirt you've worn to bed in there. So it's got a nice scent of you, you sort of, sort of being in there. Um, and then of course, you know, yep, you're doing the preparation with your vet, all that sort of thing. Um, 
And then she talked a little bit about uh, deaths occurring on flights. Um, And there was a study done in 1995, a little while ago now, um, that found that half of the pets that didn't make the journey that actually passed away on the journey were sedated. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's created a little bit of a... uh, uh, thing we talk about certainly when when I've been talking to pets mm. and owners saying well, can, there's something I can sedate and something I can calm them with I've always in the past said no because of this study that was done in 1995 and that 1995 study would have been done based on using ace promazine so ACP yeah. potentially to which essentially is not a very it's a, it's a terrible anxiolytic doesn't help with anxiety but just causes sedation. Mm-hmm. So being how long ago, and, the, and since 1995, we had a big advance in a lot of anxiety-lowering medications um, that we can now use that are potentially safe. Yeah. You know? um, but there's a, there's a proviso there. So I'm talking, obviously, I'm talking about, and you need to talk to your vet about these medications. I'm talking about use of gabapentin. I'm talking about the use of trazodone. Probably trazodone is the number one one mm-hmm. because it lasts at least, at least eight hours where Generally, gabapentin only lasts maybe four to six hours, just depends. Mm. But the important thing with using those medications is, again, like the crate, you've got to start using them before you're going to travel. You've got to try them on the dog in the home environment because you don't want to give the first dose just before you're about to leave and the dog is is totally sedated on them mm. because on some of these medications can cause sedation. That's a side effect. But what we're looking for a dog is uh, – you know, you, I always say that you want a dose that you can notice the change. You can notice that it's anxiety lowering and it might take you a week of dosing to find that dose that you go, yes, it's one capsule. Yes. It's four capsules, whatever yeah. it is for your dog that gives them what they need. Maybe we need to add in something else as well to give them that length of time to be calm. And the classic one I always say to, to owners is I like the dog and, and well, cats as well, but a little bit harder telling cats. I like the dogs to look like, that after um, they look like they've had one glass of wine on a Friday night after a busy work week. That's the look that I want. Glass of wine, maybe a beer just after a busy week. Yep. And, and, uh, and they're just like, Oh, (sighs) that was, that's please. That's over. So that's what we're looking for them to be. I don't want them to look like they've had a bottle of wine after. Yep. After you know a whole busy week or, or, yep, yep. or, a, or a six pack of beers, it's just that that one beer, one wine, a glass of wine, just like ah, relax. That's what we're looking for. Relax. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And a lot of owners like that. I think they they can appreciate that. You know. Yes. Yeah. yeah they, they can. That, that's the way they feel, and they go, oh well, gee whiz. You know, if, that, if that's the way I feel, it's how good I feel on a Friday night. Surely the dog would like it too. Excellent. Exactly. So it is really important that now, and I'm going to try and do this to a lot more of my patients is trying to get them um, into, to, uh, to talk medications well before they're going to leave. Mm. And, and, and that's, that's an important thing. And then of course, you know, we do have Zilkeen as well that, that I definitely recommend to, to everybody. Mm. Um, she was the vet that, that said, look, start them at least a week before travel. Um, yep. And then obviously continued on for a week after the travel in their new environment. Um, and, uh, and that's something else we've got to look at as well is the arrival in the new home sort of where, where is the, is the pet going to be? You know, is everything set up? Is there a you know, feeding area? Is there a litter tray for the cat? How are we going to introduce them to the new home? Are there new pets at the other home? You need to introduce mm. those together. So they're going to come along together. Is there a slow introduction that needs to be done? 
where are you going to toilet the dog? Where's the dog going to learn to toilet train? Um, with a cat, you need to generally keep them in a smaller space and gradually increase the the access they've got. Mm. Where are they going to toilet? You know, just it's just all those sort of things of how are you going to get them coping in that first week in that new yeah. environment, right? That's really important as well. Um, so she did talk a little bit about brachycephalic breeds, and right. there's a lot of issues around. You know, now of us having to sign fit to fly certificates and, you know, and I really worry about the legalities of that. Yeah. Um, and she said uh, she's got some really good fit to fly um, uh, forms that, that, um, that we can fill out. Um, but guess what? The most risk at risk breeds are on flights that uh, most at risk of, of something happening, I guess, of an incident passing away, that sort of thing nowadays. We've, we don't use the ACP anymore that was causing the uh, the deaths in the 1995 study. What do you reckon is the most at-risk breeds these days? I'm putting you on the spot. Um, so there'd be two ways I'd look at it. Either one, what's the most popular breed? Or two, what's the breed that gets the most worked up when they're in the when they're in the crate? Right. So, um, so you know, I'd be uh, most popular breed. I'd be saying oodles because oodles seem, or certainly in Australia, oodles are very, very popular, but I'd be thinking maybe like uh, your Labradors or something like that, getting themselves really, really worked up and excited on the flight. How am I, how am I going? Possibly, but I gave you a little tip in with, she did talk about brassis, brachycephalic oh, they breeds traveling. Okay. Yes. So let's, oh, let's, I, I let's, let's go along those lines. I, I, popular, so, I think popular is good. Popular is good. Definitely. But yeah. popular is with a pushed in nose. Let's go that way. Yeah. So it's so, so, so to be the French bulldogs or pugs yes. or things like that. Yeah. yeah. So Frenchies, uh, the pug, the bulldog, and the Boston. Yeah. For where the, the popular ones, I suppose, yeah. aren't they? Really? I, I, I thought you were throwing me a. Um, I thought you were saying with the now with the we're not sending as many brackies, so there must be ah, something different. So yeah. I thought, no. oh, well, we'll move away from the from the obvious ones. So uh, anyway, I'm I'm just I'm just crap at these games. No, that's all good. So it's, it's, she was sort of saying that with those sort of dogs, it is about, you know, um, there's some testing that your vet can do to, to see if they're, they're up for it. But uh, but often it may need, they might need the airway surgery so they can breathe a lot better on those flights and, and mm. keep cool. And um, and you, know, you always worry as well with, with going through some of the countries that certainly from Australia to get to Europe, often we're going through some of the hot countries, some of the, mm. you know, the Dubai's or the, uh, you know, other hot, hot environments where they may not be kept in a, a you know, regulated environment. And she also said that using uh, some of the reputable uh, agents and export companies for those breeds is very important as well, because they can make sure that those dogs are kept in an air conditioned um, sort of area during transit times yeah, right. when we're out of the, when we're out of the, um, um, the actual cargo hold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. Her, her sister, um, uh, is a pilot. Right. So, so she said uh, she was, she had a little bit of insight. And so I asked a question, I said, uh, so is it possible on an international flight to hear a dog barking in the hold? Right. Yeah. And she said, no, it wasn't. Cause I did have a friend who was a, a vet traveling from uh, Melbourne to Tasmania yeah. on a flight with their dog and their dog barked the whole way in the hold and the wow. whole plane could hear it. And they, <laughs> and, and they actually passed around the microphone. And I think the comment from the hostie or the, the pilot, whoever passed around the mic saying, now we're going to have a few, few um, uh, input from the, the, the passengers as to what they might 
you know, how they might chat to the dog when they arrive, you know, when they arrive in, in Tassie uh, with the dog barking, what might they say to the dog? And it went around and eventually came to my vet friend whose dog it was. He said, well, I can tell you that's my dog and I'm not going to be very happy at all. <laughs> you think he's not happy? How do you think the dog's oh, feeling? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> right. The dog's feeling and the passengers too. So it's worse yeah. than a crying baby, I'd imagine, taking a whole flight. At least not too long a flight, but certainly yeah. so. So some of those smaller flights, yeah, I reckon you can hear the pets. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, the bigger bigger airplanes, that uh, they can hear them when the holes open, barking. Right. Um, but interestingly, she also said that um, it'd be great to get some some footage, some some camera footage yeah. of how do pets behave in that in the whole environment. Is it is it really stressful for them? Is it, you know. I guess it's quite dark. It is dark in there, so they can't see other pets if necessarily yeah. they're in there. So, so the cats are less likely to be sort of upset by dogs and all that sort of thing. But if you're in the hole and you've got a dog barking the whole 12 hours you're on a flight, it must be just terrifying for the dog and, and for the other pets. I think that's a really um, a really good point that you make there because I think if because given that you take your pet and you drop it off at the uh, at the yeah the the pet transporting company. And then after that, you're done. You never, you, you don't see what, mm. what, you know, where they are. You don't see how they're stored, where they're stored, anything like that. I know on um, the Spirit of Tasmania, the ferry that goes between uh, Melbourne and, um, and Tasmania, you, like, you can see the cages that the dogs are kept in. And I remember when we went down on there, oh my goodness, there were some dogs who were absolutely going off their tree um, in, in mm. there. And it's like, I wonder if they've been just doing that all night, you know? Um, So yeah, it's, I think if that happened, I do wonder whether or not people would, like if they could say, here's a vision of what your dogs of what being in the hold is actually like, would then people be more likely to, to do it? Um, One thing, um, question without notice, do you talk to your um, clients about, uh, so, and did the, um, the, the, the vet doing the talk, Talk about having them in the crate and then in the car for like long, long, you know, distance car trips again to get them used to being in the um, in the crate while traveling. Yeah, no, we didn't talk about that. I'm just not sure that's quite the same, really. Yeah. Um, you know, the, certainly in the aeroplane, it's quite loud, potentially. Yeah. Um, your, your ears are popping. Um, you know, we don't know if, if pets' ears pop or, you know, certainly mm. they would, would imagine they might get some pressure issues with their ears and that sort mm. of thing. Um, and I guess the difference is if they're in the hold, so it's not, they're not really looking out the door, out the window going, oh, wow, look at the beautiful view, you know. Can't smell and, the yeah. owner there sitting in front of them. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can't really identify that you're moving necessarily. So I'm not sure travelling in the car is, you know, it's, it's a thought, but I'm not sure it's similar. to. Yeah, cool. to, to uh, she did mention, interestingly, mention the, the pets travelling in the – uh, you know, in the in the seating area with the passengers, you know, the oh yes, more and more of that people pushing for the for the therapy dog or or even just for their pet to to travel with them, and she wasn't convinced that that was a better option for yeah. dogs. Uh, and I tend to agree with that. I think you know, there's a lot of a lot of people you don't know um, in in that area. Mm. Um, it's it's a very foreign area. Um, you know, potential to see other pets or hear other pets in that sort of environment as well, but yeah. possibly wouldn't wouldn't be good. The whole toileting aspect, some dogs and cats get quite stressed with toileting you know, sort of issues. Um, and so she wasn't convinced that that was a better option 
mm. uh, for for many pets uh, traveling in the in the um, in, in with the, the passenger sort of area. And interesting with cats, she said that uh, you know people often worry about cats soiling themselves and should they have a litter tray in there in the in the carrier with the cat and all that sort of thing. She said in general most cats will hold on for the entire trip. Yeah, sometimes, right. sometimes if they get to a lounge and they're allowed out with the, some of the good good loungers on the way, um, looking after the pets, they will toilet then. But often they will hold on for you know up to sort of twenty four hours, not go to the toilet at all. Yeah. Um, so don't soil themselves. Whereas I guess dogs are a little bit different. I'm not sure on that. Yeah. So interesting sort of stuff there. It was a great insight. Really good. Yeah, talk. Right. And I just wish maybe if you if you're able to fill for a couple of minutes, mate, just uh, tell us where uh, people can contact us. I'll see if I can. Uh, find the name of the wonderful lady who gave the talk. So what, what our listeners can do, Lewis, should they want to, if they want to get in contact, they can send us an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. They can also find us at patreon.com, search for Two Vets Talk Pets. If you've got any questions, comments, anything like that that you'd like to contribute, you've got a question that you'd like us to answer, we love getting mail from our listeners. So even just while you're having a listen now, pull out your phone, send us a quick email and say, hey, you, know, you guys are doing a great job, but I'd really like to hear something about this. Let us know. Twitter, Facebook, yeah, we're on those as well. Instagram, sure, why not? Um, but otherwise, here's the name of the uh, – how was that as padding? Not too bad? That, mate, you should – have you ever thought of doing an MC gig for the, the upcoming mental health ball? That padding was exceptional. And mate, now you're frozen. Uh, not oh, only I go. thought – and, and and look, Pat, not, not only the padding from there, but also the padding that we've got in our fabulous jackets too. Ooh, you know, don't spoil, spoil it. it. Don't spoil no, no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. No. You have, to, you have to come on the night to see the 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 glitz and the glamour, I think. That's all, all we can all, say. All the glitz and so much glamour. Now, the person who gave the talk is Dr. Katrin Yarn. So, oh, um, excellent. Katrin, I hope I said your last name correctly. Jan, J-A-H-N. Jan, it's probably German, maybe. Katrin, Katrin, she's fantastic. So, look, if you have got any questions, um, certainly look her up and and she can give you some information about travelling with your pet or go to your own vet or your export vet and say, Lewis and Robbie had some great tips. Uh, Let me, uh, what, what say we do the crate training and some medication? Yeah, but whatever you do, start it early. Don't yes. start it. Don't come in and see your vet 35 minutes before you're going to head to the airport and say, can I have something for my dog for the trip? Yep. No good. Come and have a talk to us months in advance. Don't come the, the day before and say, can I have that uh, glass of wine on a Friday night, please? That's We're not going to give that out. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You can have some Zilkeen. You can have some Zilkeen at that oh, point. but Absolutely. And some, and some or Feliway, but no, we're not giving you the glass of wine on the Friday night. Sorry, not guys. Not at all. Yeah. All righty. Excellent. Fantastic. All righty. Scratch you later. Peace out, everybody. Bye. I nearly forgot my call-out sign then. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at vetbehaviorist, and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.